We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are talking about a Nets game seven loss in overtime. The Bucks pretty much as painful as they can come because Kevin Durant put on a performance, put the game in overtime with a crazy shot, but the Nets couldn't get the job done. How are we doing, Jack? Uh, pain. Just a lot, a lot of pain, Nick. And it just sucks it has to end this way. It sucks that that shot from Kevin Durant, that final shot, had to get so short, but you could tell that he wanted to get the win, you know, after yeah. the previous shot where he was inches away from, from ending the game. But, yeah, you know, no Nets fan hold anything against Kevin Durant, one of the best players we've ever seen, and certainly the best Nets player to put on a Brooklyn Nets uniform. But it just sucks that has to end that way. It was a, a a real slog, a real sort of game seven vibe for from both teams. And Kevin Durant was Herculean. Uh, there was a couple of other decent performers, but you know there was certainly moments where the Nets, you know, had they had the opportunity. There were just too many mini runs and a couple of little things here and there. But ultimately, to the when it goes to spoils. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Jack, there were opportunities in this game to definitely expand the lead, maintain the lead, or kind of just kind of build on it, and the Nets couldn't capitalize, you know, be it guys being hurt, be it guys just not performing. Like you said, Kevin Durant was as amazing as, you know, a basketball player could be in Game 7. I believe he scored the most points in a Game 7 in NBA history, if I'm not mistaken, so you could double-check me on that, Jack. But um, before we get into it, as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, uh, where do we start? I mean... Nick OT was six to two in five <laughs> minutes of basketball. You could tell that players were out. Yarns 50 minutes, Chris Middleton 52 minutes, Drew Holiday 48, Brooke Lopez 46, Kevin Rand 53, 47 for Joe Harris, 52 for Bruce Brown, 53 for, for James Harden. It was, uh, it was just, it was the, the survival of the fittest in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think that there were some little moments, decisions here and there that I think went the Bucks way, then they went the Nets way. And I think that if you had gone another five minutes, maybe it does go the, the Brooklyn Nets way. But, you know, Kevin Durant played 299 minutes, the most minutes that a player has ever played since himself in 2014 against the Memphis Grizzlies, where he had 324 minutes in a total series. So he did everything he could. We yeah. had 48 minutes from him in, in game five, one of the greatest performances we've ever seen. 
And this is almost just, you got to put this on the podium as well, because this was incredible as well from him without him. And, you know, there were probably times where it's just like, give KD the ball. You know, James yeah. Harden just like soaked up the clock like it was, you know, a positive thing. And it was just like, get, get KD the ball, whether he wanted that little bit of rest here and there. I thought Steve Nash did a decent job to throw some timeouts here and there to get a, a little bit of extra rest out for Kevin Rand and, and Harden and the rest of the guys. But... This is just, it, it sucks because I think for KD, if there are people that are naysayers because of this performance and because of that last shot and because the Nets didn't go through, everyone's been asking for, you know, Kevin Rand, can he do it by himself? Can he do it by himself? Well, he did it against a team that had an entirely healthy squad other than an Italian bloke who's okay and maybe <laughs> just better than Joe Harris. In fact, he'd probably be infinitely better than Joe Harris. But in, in saying that, you can't ask for, for more. And this only furthers the legacy of the Slim Reaper and... That shot, you know, my brother's like, you know, shut up. The, they're going to call the cops on us, but I don't give a <laughs> shit. Uh, my, my voice is a little bit hoarse from it. But, you know, it, KD deserved more. And I think a, a couple of players around him deserved more. But ultimately, the the Bucks were there uh, when, you know, the 52, 53 minutes were up. And, you know, that's just sport can be cool sometimes and basketball can be as well. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks just made a couple more plays. You know what I mean? It's just, at the end of the day, this came down to a possession because the Bucks essentially really won by two. I know final score is 115-111. And, you know, at the end of regulation, it's a one-possession game, essentially. So there's just little plays across the game in which if you could correct that, you know, you would have gotten the win. I think one big aspect for the Bucks was their offensive rebounding this game, 18. It just felt like they got so many big offensive boards that kind of hurt the Nets at different positions in this game. So, you know, there there were plays out there for Brooklyn to make that possibly could have led to the win, you know, and they just weren't able to capitalize. Like you said, Kevin Durant was amazing, as, as I mentioned before. You know, he did everything he possibly could. A little bit more support, and they probably get the win. And just to give his final stat line, 48 points, 17 of 36 from the field, 4 of 11 from t- 3, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 3 turnovers, and like you mentioned, played 53 minutes uh, the entire game, including overtime, which is just literally insane. Like, 53 minutes straight of basketball with limited breaks. Like, what? <laughs> And then in the, the closing stretch, it's like, I've got Giannis here. And it's just yeah. like, dude, like, that he, and he's coming off, uh, again, he's coming off an Achilles. Like, yeah. literally an Achilles injury. And he's not some 25-year-old coming off an Achilles. He's 31, 32 years old. And look, it, it was, uh, it, it's, it goes into the ether as one of the great series that I've ever seen a basketball player play. And again, I'm going to be biased here, but, you know, it's like, you know, LeBron in the Cavs series. And that's it, it sort of reminds me of that, you know, that sort of game one where J.R. Smith sort of threw the ball away. And, you know, I guess now J.R. Smith today was Joe Harris, but I guess we'll get into that in a little bit. But, yeah, he was uh, just huge on, on both ends of the floor. And, you know, there was, he got P.J. Tucker fouled out. And I think Bruce did a good job of, of that as well. And their sort of like two-man chemistry, I thought, was quite good throughout the night. You know, he, he abused Holiday in the post, even though, you know, Drew Holiday got him on that last shot. I think, you know, he, he Katie. Yeah, I think it was just more KD missed. Yeah, it was definitely KD missed there. And, you know, Middleton, I thought, was probably the best KD defender, but he still got past him a couple of times. And, you know, it didn't matter who you threw on him. You know, you could throw on him, you know, a, Giannis Antetokounmpo if you actually wanted to guard him, but you certainly yeah. didn't want to do that tonight because KD was on one. Uh, he did everything he could. He left his blood, sweat, and tears out there for the black and white. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, just like you mentioned, the huge 
three, I mean, huge long two at the end of regulation that if it was a three of the game, obviously would have been over. The Nets would have advanced. But also, you know, that big dunk in the fourth quarter on Connington. Uh, also, that jump ball play he had with Brooke Lopez late in the game. There's just so many things Kevin Durant did to try to will this team to a win. Like you said, one of the most impressive basketball series from one single player I can remember seeing in my entire life. So shout out to Kevin Durant. Everything is advertised, if not better. I think there's not really many questions about him and healing from that Achilles. You know, you could argue this was, you know, the best playoff series of his career. But Jack, who else do you want to talk about? Who's next? I mean, should we? Uh, let's go to Joe Harris, I guess, Nick, because it's probably the one that sticks out. You know, he had his John Paxson opportunity, his John Paxson moment. The offensive ball was there. The kickout was there. It wasn't an above-the-break three. It was a, a wing sort of three, one that he's hit 100 times in his sleep, and it went clank. And there was yep. too many clanks uh, this series for, for Joe Harris. And cometh the moment, cometh the man, Joe Harris couldn't come. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough. Like you said, you know, you felt maybe like that could be the three. You forget about everything in the rest of the series. You hit that in overtime. Uh, The shot felt a little bit rushed, you know, in time of the game, even the way he kind of hit the stroke. I mean, he did knock down a couple threes at least tonight, but still, you know, your value on the floor is your three-point shooting and what you provide for the team. I thought defensively was a little bit better in this game, but three of nine from three, you know, you expect a little bit better performance after, you know, the poor performances we've seen in the last few games from him. So it's tough. I mean, I don't know if you go as far as considering like where he sits in your playoff rotation for next year, but I think it's something you consider if, you know, this is an issue again next year, but obviously he was moved up on the totem pole. Maybe couldn't necessarily handle the pressure. We're going to obviously do deep dives into every player in this team in the off season, But just based off of an initial reaction, I think maybe there's some consideration of like, is he going to be your fifth member of your closing lineup moving forward? And like, I love Joe Harris, but if you're not knocking down threes, you know, your defense is okay. Um, And some of the other aspects of your game are okay, but not enough to, you know, keep somebody else off the floor. Yeah, because it's funny because I thought his first half actually, despite the fact that there was you know a couple of layups went, that went in, in in and out, and he probably got fouled yep. on, and there was that three ball that was basically went all around the room and just and went out. I'm like, yep. okay, there's a bit of momentum here. At least looking from it from afar, I felt that you know Joe looked a bit more confident, a bit more yep. comfortable out there. But then the second half, that he he didn't necessarily get many moments to sort of shine. I thought his defense was okay. Tonight, yeah. uh, at least he wasn't, you know, giving Middleton. It was good know, against he, Drew Holiday. It was meh against Middleton, which is, yeah. it's been the whole series. And I think the one thing with Joe Harris that makes you have, you know, consideration about the defensive issue is he can't really get over screens. Like he just kind of does the PJ Tucker thing and runs in the screens, but he's not PJ Tucker. So he doesn't move the body. You know, some of that's illegal screens, but if you're, you know, somewhat slow in comparison to other players, you're typically not going to get that call unless you're just going all out. And when he goes all out, that's when he kind of commits some of those dumb fouls. So it's definitely kind of a tough situation for Joe Harris defensively. It's it's a tough, but the thing as well with that, Nick, is because he's been the statistically the best regular season free throw shooter, three point shooter, sorry, you know, the yep. past two or three years. And he's just not doing it. And he's just, it's just like the Monstars took his power. And in Space Jam 2, we're going to see some of these dudes shooting, you know, a million threes like they're Joe Harris. But, you know, well, I, I, I don't really care because Joe didn't do it when it mattered. And, yep. you know, I've been the, the biggest Joe Harris stand, one of the biggest Joe Harris stands out there. But if you're going to cost the, the, the team, you know, wins, and he did cost him a win, and he didn't cost him just one win, he probably cost him a, a lot of moments where it was up to him to make a play, hit a shot you know, make a pass or, and it's just, there's 82 game players and there's 16 game players, as Kevin Durant's former teammate, Draymond Green said. Unfortunately, 
Joe Harris is an 82 game player. There were a couple of players that we saw tonight that I was, you know, happy to sort of see get their own and really contribute on on, on night after night after night. And you know, in the, the absolute slog that tonight's game seven was, it's just like you know, you got Bruce Brown, you got Blake Griffin. James Harden on one leg, despite, you know, we'll probably dive a bit deeper in his individual performance, but it's not good enough from Joe Harris, Nick. It, it just yep. simply isn't. You paid four years, $73 million. You got to hit shots. You know, John, it, it's... He, it got to the know- point where the Bucks were able to go under dribble handoffs, and that's a big aspect of the game that would have opened things up offensively, and they were just kind of daring Joe to take some of those, and he wasn't knocking them down. It's uh, it's incomprehensible from a player yeah. of, of his three-point shooting propensity but at this point in time, we have to judge him on what you produce when the moments matter. That's when you really show us what you are as a player. And what Joe Harris is a player in those moments, he sh- he shies away from the moments. He's a a deer in the headlights, pardon the pun, because you know it's just too much for him. You know whether it's a mental thing, whether it's a combination of the mental and, and the physical, because like I said, in the first sort of 24 minutes, it seemed to me that there was a bit of a flow. You know, the, the rhythm was sort of there. You know, he was getting a little bit of confidence. He got some boards as well. But that second half and, and that final quarter, especially, and the OT, you know, there was just, it, it's just, it's just so goddamn frustrating because, you know, the, you want one person to just do something and sort of, Take it away. You know, if if it, Joe hit that three, Katie doesn't have to do what he has to do for 55 minutes, night after night after night, play 299 minutes of near perfect basketball. And and that's it. That's it at, at the end of the day because you can't... James Harden wasn't James Harden. And Kevin Durant nearly beat the Milwaukee Bucks by himself. There was yeah. little... Uh, you know, the Jeff Green performance, I think, in this series is the only one that stands out as a sort of secondary performer that really did sort of step up. I think Bruce was pretty good tonight as well. And we'll get into I that. I think Blake's been pretty solid all series in terms of what he's been asked to do. I think he's lived up to that expectation. You know what I mean? Like, 17 points from Blake, I'll take. Like, that's a number that you can live with for him. If he's giving you 10 and playing the defense he did on Giannis, I thought was solid. You know, Giannis obviously is a freak. Um, and I think Blake fouling out really hurt the team too because then... Durant had to start to exert that energy on Giannis where I, that's where I feel like the Nets really got into a predicament right there because they didn't really have an option because it felt like Jeff Jeff Green was not himself in this game after he dove for that loose ball that led to the Kevin Durant slam uh, a lot of the reporters were saying he was walking to the sideline very gingerly and like you could kind of tell when he was walking back even to the bench that he was walking slow and had a grimace on his face so it was like the Nets really got put into a position where they're like, all right, we have to put KD now on Giannis. So now he has to do literally every single thing on the floor, create our offense, score our offense, and also defend the best team's other players. So that Blake Griffin six foul was pretty huge too. And not to say it wasn't a foul or anything like that, but it just it just kind of cost the Nets a little bit there because obviously Steve Nash is not going to trust you know Nick Claxton in this situation. And DeAndre Jordan hasn't played a second in the series. So there really weren't any other options. And I think that kind of what's, what's really fatigued Kevin Durant over time, in my opinion. Yeah. It's the, 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 the effect of everyone else's, you know, lack of ability to contribute, whether it's due to health or, or, or skill or, or execution, whatever else it might be, you know, it, it means that the burden on, on Kevin Durant's shoulders only gets increased. And there was so much on it. You know, he's a, he's a pretty skinny dude. He can't hold that much. He's looking quite, yeah. you know, cut right now, probably the, the most, you know, swole he is looking his career not to say that you know he looks like Giannis but you know he's looking very fit and healthy right now and I think that that's the reason why he was able to play so many goddamn minutes but we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think the the reverb uh, across the board, you know, just made Kevin Rand have to do so much. And yeah, massive shout out to Blake Griffin, Nick, because there might not be a, a better buyout performer than Kevin Rand in the history of the, the buyout market. You know, he had to start for this Brooklyn Nets team. He had to guard, you know, a two-time MVP and defensive player of the year. And despite the fact that Giannis was able to get his own because, you know, he's got big muscles and he actually hit a couple of free throws tonight, Blake Griffin was 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 super, absolutely awesome throughout this series. And yeah, I, I, I hope he's back as a Brooklyn Net next year, whether yeah. in, in some form or another. I, I think that he just feels like he wants to be there. He feels like a Brooklyn Net. And we heard Kevin Durant sort of say that, you know, he loves playing with Bruce and, and Blake in, in the post-game presses to, as well. So, look, uh, massive shout-out to Blake Griffin. I thought that his rebounding was also awesome tonight. You know, he was really good at the offensive glass. Um, you know, he's a, a super strong dude. And uh, I, I love that little bit of, you know, C-word about him. You know, uh, as Aussies would probably say that yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, we could just say asshole, like, here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah he's, he's an that. asshole, and that's fine, and that's need that. Yeah, yeah, he's got a he's got a toughness to him. He's got a a, a bit of he's like he he wants to beef, he wants to smoke, and um, it, it, I love Blake, and you know I, I love the signing initially. We we sort of wondered what it would be, and I guess reflecting upon it, like you said, Nick, we'll dive deep into individual season reviews. But it was just like you know what do we expect Blake Griffin to be? And we all heard like you know he's going to be a four five, you know, playing in the short role, all these sort of things. But he he played above his pay grade. You know yep. he, he he went above and beyond. Yeah, substantially in, in, in a way that it's just like, you know, you, like you alluded to, Nick, if he didn't foul out, the Nets have a greater shot of, of winning this game as well. But yeah, he was uh, absolutely superb. And, you know, Joe Harris could learn a thing or two from just doing the things that Blake Griffin was able to do. And Blake Griffin shot better than Joe Harris throughout this entire series. And that sh- just can't be happening. It, it, it just can't. You know, Blake Griffin. Uh, and he, he looked just, more confident in shooting threes than Joe. He did, and then and it just looked like I, 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 when you know mentally, you know, I'm probably you probably felt the same as did a lot of Nets fans, you know, throughout the regular season. It's like, oh, yeah, Joe's going to hit this one, one out of two, whatever it is. Yep. Whereas this series, I'm like, yeah, Blake's going to hit this one. Whereas if Joe had it, like, Joe had it, I'm like, oh god, no, really. So yeah, yeah I, I thought Blake was awesome, and you know, he just did a great job of of just giving it his all. You know, there's yep. there's players where it's just like energy can be a skill. You know, Montrose Harrell and these sort of types, Kenneth Freed, former. Brooklyn Nets great as well, but you know, Blake Griffin gave uh, his absolute heart and soul to this Brooklyn Nets team, and um, we're giving it back to him with the love that he deserves. A hundred percent. I thought Blake, you know, you could argue he was the second best net or Bruce Brown was. Bruce Brown, obviously, defensive impact was huge. Did a great job on Chris Middleton, 7-9 from the field. You know, had a couple of those hustle plays in there, but you know, like you said, it was you know Joe Harris who really let them down in terms of being that role player and that other guy that they needed to step up to be an offensive option because you know James Harden still not himself in this game, really didn't have much of an ability to drive. Felt like he was maybe even driving less in this one. 
Um, obviously, the two of twelve from three from Harden, five of seventeen from the field, nine assists, one steal, one block, four turnovers. You know, it's hard to be upset with the play of Harden, but I will say there was a couple mental mistakes, like that pass in the fourth quarter where he tried to do the full court thing, and just a couple plays where he's not moving with enough pace. I don't know if that's fatigue or the injury or whatever it is. Just obviously the Nets need a little bit more, and it's hard to ask that from somebody who's essentially playing on one leg. He said himself, Nick, a couple of minutes ago, it's a grade two hamstring. So um, I'll, I'll have a look at what a great, the, the severity of a grade two hamstring is. But you could just tell there was no lift on his shot. The only shot that, you know, the, the jumper that he took was on Giannis. It seemed to me that every time that he was guarded by Giannis, he's like, you know what, I'm going to take a step back on you and try to deflate yep. you. Uh, and he hit one of them at least. And, you know, his floater game was, was, was quite nice. I like, you know, he just, uh, he was uh, an absolute warrior. You know, he, you yep. can't imagine the pain he must have gone through to go through a grade two hamstring injury and still play, you know, 50 minutes and give it your all after what he, he did in game six as well. Absolutely. You know, relentless and, and courageous in, in what he gave to, to the Brooklyn Nets. You know, he wanted the chip. He wanted this win as much as probably anyone else out there, any Brooklyn Nets fan in the world. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I, I think that hearing that, you know, despite the fact that I have my gripes with the fact that, yeah, we want to get into some possessions quicker. Yeah, we want to get some some more pace or whatever. Um, I'd rather have James Harden playing 53 minutes than, you know, your boy Mike James playing 15 <laughs> of them. You know, that I think also it was kind of an aspect of it being a grade two is that if he did really sit for an extended period of time, he probably wouldn't be able to get it back going. You know what I mean? It's just kind of the aspect of the tightness just becoming too tight where you can't even move to an extent. So, I mean, it's just tough. It's tough when you're missing a player of that caliber in a game like this, you know, and you've missed him for the whole series. And obviously, you know, Kyrie Irving being out as well. It's just there's a lot of pressure on guys. And like we mentioned, you know, some guys were able to step up. Other guys were not. What did you think of Steve Nash, you know, playing Jeff Green and Landry Sham at extremely limited minutes? No surprise, right? Be a game seven. No. And I think that Jeff, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, an armchair doctor here, but I think that his foot's bothering him. Yeah. We had another guy playing through plantar fascia, which is an incredibly serious foot injury. And, you know, feet, hamstrings. They're, they're two things that you kind of need when you're playing the, the sport of basketball, but when the intensity is ramped up to a level in you know, a game seven. So, I, and we got Jeff, you know, provide us some possessions when, when needed. And I thought that Steve Nash did a good job of just tightening the rotation. You know, the, the, Mike Woodenhose finally realized as well that he has to play these guys some minutes here and there too. So ultimately, Nick, you know, Landry Shaman, maybe you could have played him more than Joe Harris in hindsight, and and, and maybe we got a got a bit a bit of energy from some of his three point uh, shooting because you know he was at least average uh, throughout the playoffs, whereas Joe was just poor. So it, you know, the hindsight you know is is wonderful. So maybe you sort of change that up a little bit. But I did also see that whenever that Landry Shaman was out there, they wanted to get the switch on him. You know, Drew Holiday yep. wanted to to put him in the post, and that happened a lot this series as well. So you know, Joe Harris wasn't great defensively. Landry Shaman is going to be even worse. So look it's like choosing between i don't know compost and you know a pile of shit <laughs> yeah i mean that's what's really tough i think we kind of talked about it on some of the previous shows is just like steve nash got to a position where he just really had limited options for his guard play and obviously if you have the luxury of a Kyrie irving oh there's a big chunk of your 40 minutes at the other guard spot right there and then maybe you don't even play joe harris a ton or you you know you have the option to swap between harris and brown depending if you need offense or defense so just uh, it's just tough like i kind of talked about and i've mentioned a lot is just like it's 
it sucks to lose in a game like this in a game seven, but it sucks even more when you're not fully healthy and you're missing substantial pieces of your team and not even just, you know, one of them and Kyrie, you're pretty much getting half of James Harden. Like you mentioned, you know, Jeff Green was laboring this game. So I'm not really sure, you know, what else to say about this game other than, you know, KD was amazing. Blake did his he's thing. Sure, it was his shoe. If he wasn't size 14 feet, if he had a, like a small puny 6'3 feet like me, size 11, <laughs> size 12, we win the game. And look, you know, I'm not blaming Kevin Durant's feet because, you know, he also got an out-of-bounds play off his heel. Um, but it seems to me that that's a, it's, a, it's a game of inches and it's just, it's, in, it's incredible how how small the margins were in, in a game where, you know, there is a universe out there. If we, you know, go into your boys, Rick and Morty, and there's probably <laughs> a million universes out there where Kevin Durant is, is holding up a trophy right now. Kyrie Irving's got a fit and healthy ankle. Um, unfortunately, we live in the universe and the multiverse right now that Kevin Durant has feet that are a little bit too big and um, Kyrie Irving's injured and James Hart. And also, Nick, we'll get to James Harden's injury in a little bit. I did look it up and, um, in terms of the severity of it. But yeah, it's just insane how, how how small and minute the margins are between winning and losing. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's just, it literally is like, it's crazy that you see that happen at the game, in a game like this. You know what I mean? It's not even like a game where it's, it's like inches in terms of like stepping on the baseline or something. It's literally at the three-point line with like a turnaround three like that. It's just incredible. And it was one of the most difficult shots in the game. And I mean... I just saw somebody post a screenshot of that missed Joe Harris three in overtime, you know, 59 seconds left, completely wide open. You know, no one's even really there for the closeout. So it's just a shot that he has to hit. And if you're feeling bad about your three-point shot at that point in time, take the one dribble and shoot the elbow jumper. Like, I really don't care. Just do whatever you need to do to get a bucket there. And he just couldn't do it. And obviously, you know, he's a big reason the Nets lost the series. I'm not going to blame him for the loss, you know, specifically in any game. But it, obviously, he was a main contributor to that. And the fact that, you know, James Harden was so off, it just the three-point shooting was rough tonight. You know, 12 of 39, 30%. And a lot of those makes coming from, you know, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin. So it's just in the Bucks on the other hand, shot 41% from three. They got some of their shooting variants back from earlier in the series. So just... A heartbreaking loss and a terrible way to kind of end the season in game seven at home in overtime with the performance that Kevin Durant gave you. You know, we kind of questioned after game five, like, could he do this again just because it's so difficult to do when the defense is keyed on to you and playing all these minutes? And Katie was able to, you know, hold up his end of the bargain. He wasn't able to get enough from his team to get the win. That's it. And look, grade two hamstring tears slash or grade two hamstring strains, Nick. It is a partial tear of one or more of the hamstring muscles. Uh, it causes you pain during activity or walking, swelling and bruising, and you might not be able to straighten your leg all the way. So <laughs> we're asking this dude to play 53 minutes after playing, what, 47, 48 minutes in the previous yep. game as well. Um, he is, uh, and, and you can tell as well, there was a quote that I'll pull up in a little bit, you know, talking about his level of personal frustration and, you can't ask for more because being out there alone is a Herculean feat for James Harden. And you know, his ability to just score points and get to the line, what was it, nine or ten times? I don't have the, yep. the stats in front ten, of me. Ten of ten, yep. Ten of ten and hit all those free throws. You know, it's, it's something that you know, I think is probably going to go to the wayside because of how amazing Kevin Durant is. But I think, you know... We talk about the, the, the narratives around James Harden are a little bit all over the place, Nick. And I, I think that 
I'll ask you, I guess, does this enhance, if you're looking at it from an objective standpoint and you're a regular NBA fan and not a Brooklyn Nets James Harden fan, does do these performances here enhance or change his legacy going forward in, in any sort of stretch? Obviously, you know, he needs the chip probably more than any other sort of, you know, big player like a Chris Paul to really, you know, solidify him in the all-time greats. But what do, do these sort of uh, performances and, and be, the ability to to show the grittiness and toughness and, and courage to get out there do for your thoughts on James Harden? Yeah, I think I already viewed, you know, Harden in a positive light before he was traded to Brooklyn. But I think for a lot of the naysayers and, like, kind of calling him soft and calling him a flopper, it's just like, all right, this guy just grinded out on a serious, serious hamstring injury and was playing huge minutes trying to will his team to win because literally at the end of the day they really didn't have another option for point guard like Mike James could have played but you know he's not an NBA starting point guard probably not even a backup you know Tyler Johnson's a nice complimentary combo guard but really can't run the show the Nets needed someone and James Harden you know showed up did whatever he really could and gave his you know boy Kevin Durant some support and I think that's really helped KD in alleviating some of that pressure at least but at the end of the day you know, it's hard to do anything on one leg. It's extremely difficult to play a game of NBA basketball on one leg against some of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And I give him a lot of credit, too. Like, he still had some turnovers in there. A lot of those were kind of more so self-inflicted. thought he did a really good job handling the basketball against, you know, a elite defense with an injured hamstring where it would have been pretty easy to kind of get caught up with that. And I thought his defense as well, Nick, you know, despite the fact that, you know, he might have got cooked once or twice, he did a good job of positioning himself in a way and going, you know what? I can guard guys in the post. So Giannis, you want to come at me in the post? Drew, you want to come at me in the post? That's where my hamstring doesn't feel too bad. That's where I can show off, you know, what I can sort of do uh, a little bit here. But the, the quote that I found, Nick, and it's via Billy Reinhardt, and this is James himself, so many emotions. Me personally, it's frustrating for myself being durable and being myself for the last so many postseasons and just dealing with this particular hamstring. I'm frustrated. We did everything we could. We gave everything we had. Having to deal with injuries throughout the year set us back. It's draining, and it's very, very difficult to fight through that when we basically had the three best players that are just in and out. So it's uh, it's frustrating. It's painful, whatever. All the things that James Harden said, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, it was an uphill battle all year long, given the schedule, given the injuries, the adversity this team faced, and it kind of continued in the postseason. And they're still right there, though. So, you know, there's still an opportunity to kind of get to that finish line. A few more plays, even, you know, Bruce Brown hits those two free throws in, you know, the fourth quarter. Maybe the Nets win this game. Or, you know, there's just a couple rebounds where the Nets kind of solidified and they don't give, you know, Brooke Lopez that tap out or whatever it is. You know, just one more play in this game. But I think... At the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of people going to the season, there was kind of like it would be tough to win in the first year of the big three, especially given the limited amount of time they played. And I think it would always a concern of chemistry when they got on the court. But I don't think that was really the issue in this one. It was just them not being able to be on the court and some really bad luck because Harden mentioned, you know, he's been extremely durable over the last couple of his entire career, essentially. And then he comes to Brooklyn, he has that hamstring issue. And then you look at Kyrie Irving, who, you know, was very durable the entire season for the Nets and just had the unfortunate luck of landing on Giannis's foot and spraining his ankle pretty severely. So it's it's just really tough to deal with all those aspects and just kind of moving forward. But hopefully, you know, it helps the team build some great uh, resilience and just kind of deal with even more adversity moving forward in the future. It's a, it's a theme of the season, Nick. You know, the <laughs> adversity, durability, 
survival of the fittest in a lot of the ways. And, you know, the, the chip could just go to, you know, Phoenix whoever's or healthy. whoever's healthy. And I, I said that at the start of the season and, you know, how much health is going to play a factor. And it's it seems like a very... Play a bigger factor this year than probably almost any other season in NBA history. And obviously, recency bias is going to pop in there. But when you look at the amount of top five, top ten players that were Nine injured... Nine all-stars, this- Nick. Nine all-stars yeah. injured in this postseason. And I mean, just look, let's look at the top 10 players that were injured. You know, you got Anthony Davis, you got LeBron, who's not 100%. You got Kawhi Leonard, who just had the ACL injury. You have James Harden with the hamstring stuff. Kyrie's probably not top 10. He's more top 15. Um, and he's out as well. So now you're just looking at all these different guys going down and it sucks. I mean, it sucks as an NBA fan. I think, you know, for me personally, I like seeing the highest level of competition. Like if the Bucks have beaten the Nets in a seven game series, fully healthy, you know, I think it's a little easier to take that pill. But the fact is that they weren't at their best. That's what really like just stings a little bit more because it's a, a what if situation. It's uh, yeah, there are some big, big what ifs, but you know, there's no point in sort of dwelling on that. I know yeah, that Kevin Durant. I could dwell on it for a long time. I mean, Please. I think. I w- I'll just dwell on one more thing. I think you just look back at this and a lesson that the Nets probably learned is game three. Game three, they had that game and they should have won that game and they didn't. And that's what really comes back to bite you because you don't play with your food for a reason. They take care of business there. They're up 3-0. You know, it's possibly a sweep. Maybe Kyrie never even gets hurt because just different circumstances of different games. Maybe this is another timeline I'm talking about. And, you know, the Nets win in game five, get the gentleman sweep, whatever it is. But I think... That game three missed opportunity stings a little bit more when you lose a series just because that was there on a platter for you to take and you just couldn't get over that edge. You know, be it some Bruce Brown mistakes, be it a slow start in the first quarter, whatever it is, that's also something I think stings a little bit about the series. Yeah, there's there's so many little things here and there. We could, if we would have watched the series all the way through all 200 and whatever minutes it was, 200, 300 minutes of it, you know, I'm sure that you can nitpick at it and go, well, if the next... I can nitpick this game, yeah. <laughs> we could do it about this game. And, you know, Jeff Green just said himself that, you know, the, the difference in the game was what you said, Nick. It was the offensive boards. And I think that that was, it was that early. You know, I think that they got... I think like, it was nine in the first quarter. Yeah, it was, it was just a lot. And... You know, I, I sort of put out there and we were chatting the DMs that I think that some of it was, you know, missed three-point shots are, are harder to rebound. And, you know, it just... The, the Nets played well defensively in this series and it, and you, you get bailed out by some offensive boards and even, like, missed free throws, getting offensive boards off those as well. Yep. That was just... a bigger aspect. See... I like you said, Jack, you have, you know, the three point shots, there's kind of an excuse. Like you get some really, really weird bounces off three point shots considering the arc of the ball. But on the free throws, that's where the Nets really were screwed. That's where they miss some opportunities. I'm not sure if the Bucks scored every time, but even if it was two points, three points, that's a difference in the game right there. And it kind of goes back to what we saw happen multiple times in the Nets this year. The Bucks had 98 field goal attempts. The Nets had 84. Yeah, it's uh, it's as simple as that. You know, we talked about plenty of games this year where, you know, we were able to, you know, again the ascendancy and, and shoot from the field the way that we did. But you know, in game sevens, you can't necessarily rely on that. So, uh, I think that it's been a, a focal point for, and I think the Nets did do a, a better job in the second half of of being more locked in on that end of the floor and you know showing a bit more engagement, gang rebounding, all those little things here and there. And that might have been an area where we, we missed Kyrie a little bit too because you know his bounce and his 
you know, energy. You know, I mean, with I think they really miss Kyrie too in terms of the pace and the transition and getting some of those opportunities because given ha- a hardened hamstring, he just couldn't run. And there was just really not many easy baskets for this team to get. And I feel like that's an area where you really miss Kyrie. And obviously you miss his elite shot making in some of these situations and just another safety valve for Kevin Durant. And I mean, it's tough. Like you said, we could dwell on it. We can sit and discuss and pick up, pick apart every single play of this game. But at the end of the day, you know, and that's came up short by literally a possession or two. And that's really the difference here. Obviously the injuries were there, but the opportunity was there as well. So different role players didn't step up. Kevin Durant did everything he could, but that's about it. Jack, anything else you want to touch on? Oh, I wanted to touch on Bruce Brown a little bit, Nick. And also oh, yeah. bef- before we do so, it sucks because reflecting upon, you know, I guess sort of like, you know, our, our early podcasts this season, our preseason pods, our previews, all these little things here and there. And it was just like, the Nets will go as far as Kevin Durant will take them. And they went pretty goddamn far. And it's just like, well, we didn't expect Kyrie Irving to be injured. We didn't expect to get James Harden into this team in, in the first place. So it's just, we went so far and the, the finish line was just there. And it was, you know, Kevin Durant himself thought it was a three when he hit that shot as well. Yeah. So, um, and normally he's a, he's a pretty switched on dude when it comes to, you know, basketball stuff. But, you know, there were a lot of moments. I've got plenty of notes here, but I don't think it's really worth touching on them. You know, I thought that the battle between him and PJ Tucker, you know, you know I've, I've got a lot of criticism for PJ Tucker, you know, fat Pat Bev, whatever. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, he made it a, a, a more exciting sort of series. I think Kevin Rand actually liked playing against him as well. Yep. You know, you could see a little bit of trash talk with, with Wanda, um, Mama Durant, the real MVP, and him, you know, sort of, I think PJ sort of responding, I love you too. You know, they've got history there. And I think, you know, it, KD was also sort of saying about this series, I can't remember after or during which game this was, but he's just like, you got to stop giving fouls because, you know, or else you're going to foul out. And, you know, who am I going to play on? He wanted that challenge. And, you know, I think that a lot of the, the back and forth was, was all in good nature, all in the... The, the heat of battle, so a, a lot of respect there. The Bucks will probably, you know, have a, a decent performance against, you know, a wounded, you know, a, a Philadelphia 76ers team or an Atlanta Hawks team that I think is going to get overwhelmed by their size. But yeah, uh, and Bruce Brown, Nick, you know, he did say to reporters, he was asked about, you know, he's a free agent for the Brooklyn Nets, and this is via the Nets media. He says, I hope I'm here. I know my contract is up, but I hope I'm staying in Brooklyn. I love playing with these guys. They made me better this year. Get rid of Joe, keep Bruce. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough. The Nets are going to have some decisions. Obviously, Blake's a free agent. Bruce is a free agent. Jeff Green's a free agent. They have limited options in what they can pay these guys. You know, best case scenario, maybe Blake's like, you know, I got all this buyout money. I'm good taking a small contract. That would be super ideal. And then maybe you could find a way to get things to work with Jeff and Bruce. I'm not really sure. Like, you know, we're going to jump into this and plenty more um, all offseason, you know, probably go really deep. And this is going to be another big offseason for the Nets, given they're just I don't even I'm not sure that they're pieces short, but they can, you know, put some more touches on this team. I think fully healthy. I'm pretty confident the Nets would have taken care of the Bucks probably in five games, taking care of whoever's in the next round and probably won a championship. But that's a what if that didn't happen. And obviously it sucks and it stings. But uh, dude, I've got to give a massive shout out to my dude, BB. You know, 14 points, six boards, including four offensive boards. Yeah. Like the dude is And a he was going for, he went for about like 20 of them and he played 52 damn minutes too. Like he wasn't getting much rest either. And his defense on Chris Middleton, I thought was really, really good to the point where he had the dude a little flustered. And if, you know, they had, were able to kind of allow Bruce to stand him the entire game, I think it would have been even more effective. But he was able to get a couple switches and it felt like that's when Middleton really got most of his points. Two assists, two steals, uh, a block as well. Uh, 
you know, we talk about the second best performance and I think it was Bruce Brown. And, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, Bruce is inserted into the starting lineup. I, I had a level of excitement. You know, you know, we heard a, a few people heard me on the last buzz sort of saying like, why did Bruce really play five minutes in the last game? And, and this game, he showed his worth and then some. And, you know, if you look at the defensive stats on whatever website you want to look at, I'm sure that they're pretty poor whenever Kevin, uh, Chris Middleton was guarded by Bruce Brown and when he was lucky enough to get a switch, you know, and get a bit of breathing room. You know, imagine if, if you have to shoot a shot for your life and Bruce Brown's guarding you, you're probably going to die uh, because <laughs> that dude is going to make things tough. And uh, he is a relentless performer. The energy and hustle that he plays with, that the the ability to diversify and, and buy in, you know, to his role with this team for for so many different games, and you know he's got a he's got a job, he's got an assignment here. You know, with him not doing what he did, you know, the Nets aren't even within a shot tonight because Kevin Durant had to do so much, and you know he had to you know make sure he was going the weak side and, and the backside. But you know the individual isolation defense of Bruce Brown was incredible, and you know whatever he whatever he gets paid, you know he's gonna get he's gonna deserve every single penny of it because. His ability to diversify and, you know, the malleability he showed within his role to play, like, you know, a point center. Everyone was sort of comparing, you know, the point center sort of role to Bruce Brown. You know, he sort of is the, the mold of a new sort of position in a lot of ways. Um, he sort of saw his his former AAU teammate, he was tweeting about him last night, Terrence Mann, go off and he's like, you know what, hold my beer here. And, he, you know, he didn't have the the stats and the counting stats that were that Terrence Mann certainly had. But I think that the individual impact that he had in tonight's game, you know, it deserves a lot of credit. And uh, Bruce, whatever, whenever he is out there on the floor, he might make mistakes, but it's not going to be through a lack of effort and a lack of execution. Yeah, and I think that's a guy that you always appreciate on your team. You know what I mean? It's just like just that pure energy all the time and just the pestiness and just kind of providing a little bit of a spark and an option and also just a ball handler. There's a lot of things he did well in the court tonight. And, you know, maybe if he plays more in this series, there's an opportunity, but you know, again, you know, he's a guy that kind of popped out of nowhere this year. So that's, that's pretty damn impressive for him to really kind of make a name for himself. And like you said, you know, hopefully he's back in Brooklyn, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone wants to pay him a lot of money. Then, and I think, look, we'll dive probably deep into what he p- provides other teams and, you know, his, I guess, individual status. But I think that he he's also a guy that might take a little bit of unders because, you know, he just loves playing, you know, with his the His fit Nets. is really, it's, he's able to provide a different role for the Nets that it's very hard to envision for other teams. Like you just, you don't necessarily have a guy his size playing center or rolling to the rim and you can't envision many other point guards kind of doing that. Like the only other guy that I feel like would be able to get a lot out of him would maybe be like Luca. Like I'm not sure LeBron's really interested in playing with a guy like that. Um, At this point in his career, he's probably looking more for spacing, but I mean, it's a sad day here for the Nets and the Game 7 loss. Obviously, a lot of pain, but it, you know, kind of work up to next season. Hopefully, we get, you know, the expectation and end in the NBA Finals with a championship. And wow, I'm just seeing another picture of that Kevin Durant long two. I mean, it is it is insane. I mean, if he's, you know, putting a little bit more balance on like the left side of his foot or just like it's it's just insane it's enough to make you lose sleep for weeks for kevin durant but uh jack i guess again anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here look there was just mini runs nick like we sort of said here and there for, for the nets, the nets sort of... these mini runs that you're alluding to jack it's like the nets had the opportunity to flip that mini run into a big play for themselves and even like i i mentioned to you in the dms the end of the first half I thought they didn't finish well in the beginning of the second half. They didn't start well. And that I think Milwaukee was on a 12-4 run for that three-minute period of the game. And that was huge because if the Nets don't allow that run, 
they might win this one, not easily, but with at least a little bit of a cushion. And that's what really hurts is these these small little mini runs, like you mentioned, are the difference in a game. They are. The, the Nets were up 101-96 with that hard and bank shot. And then... You know, outscored obviously. You know, nineteen to to ten. You know, it's a, it's a game of mini margins. You know, I think that their ending to quarters was was quite poor as well. But ultimately, like, Nick, even in the series, it felt like two other than like the first two games. Yeah, I mean, like they they started games poorly in in a lot of respects in in, in so many games, which was certainly frustrating. But yeah, this is just one of those games where it's 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 heartbreaking for for so many reasons. It's a game of inches. It's a game of millimeters. If we're going to go to the metric system, the superior measurement system, in my eyes. But um, in all honesty, Nick, it's just. It just sucks because there's so many things that we had a level of optimism about. And um, it seems to me that the Kevin Durant deserved more. James Harden deserved more. Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin deserved more. All these sort of guys. And um, ultimately, you know, if we get... You know, ultimately, it's just a, a sucky situation all around. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, just a ton of what-ifs from... The KD3 to uh, the, what could have been a KD3 to the Joe Harris mystery to some missed free throws to a rebound to a turnover, whatever it is. I mean, it just it's it's painful. And obviously, we'll think about this for a long time. But again, there's still a lot of positivity moving forward for this Nets team. And I think that's important to know, like they still have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and James Harden under contract next year. And they're actually going to get an offseason to work together at training camp. They're going to get probably even more pieces that complement them to a high extent. Uh, a really a lot of great things for the Nets. So it sucks right now. But moving forward, things should be really, really good for Brooklyn. Yeah, and look, it's sort of if we're looking to a, I sort of said. Oh, I did not know Bruce Brown was a restricted free agent. Sorry to cut you off, Jack. That is a big, big thing. I did not know that. I thought he was unrestricted. So that, I mean, I would almost guarantee he stays with the Nets to some extent, unless somebody gets really wild. Yeah, and, and look, we did see you know Spencer throw some tweets out there as well. You know, we don't know what his status is going to be going forward. Um, but it's really nice to have him in this series, especially after the injuries. I mean, uh, I've been a, a big fan of Spencer, and it just you know. It just sucks that he was unfortunate enough to have a, a season-ending injury and to the extent of where the Nets could have used him in one of these situations. That would have been a great opportunity for him to work on his name, his legacy, and earn himself some more money in the offseason, given I'm sure he would have came up big because he just comes across as that type of player. Big, big time. You know, Bruce is it, – it's a really positive thing. You know, the fact that the Nets do hold his rights in, in restricted free agency. So we'll hopefully expect some positive news around that. Um, the Nets certainly need it. But, yeah, I, I know that I sort of said in terms of storylines as well, Nick, you know, again, reflecting upon sort of the start of the season, you know, do the Nets have to lose one to win one? You know, you look at the the big three in, in Miami. You know, they lost that one in 2011. I think that was more – that was no health from them uh, on their part. You know, we uh, I think that the basketball gods just weren't in our favor and, and in a lot of other teams' favors uh, for that right too. So I think the Nets will bounce back, and I think that they're going to be a force next year. Uh, we're just praying for good health all around. Praying for good health for all NBA players and, and just the, the league overall, but for the Brooklyn Nets especially. Really good to see Kyrie Irving there. Uh, just yep. uh, just you, The presence of Kyrie Irving, you can just feel it. I could feel it here a thousand miles away. I could feel those good vibes. Good to see him without the walking boot as well, even if he was walking a little bit gingerly. 
you know, he was sort of t- he, chatting to Katie, apparently sort of saying that he, he wanted to be back game two, game three. Um, and also congratulations. I, I've uh, had the opportunity to do it on this public platform, the Brooklyn Buzz, uh, to him and his partner, uh, his fiance, sorry, um, ha- having their child. Uh, just some absolutely wholesome content. If you ever guys check that out on, on YouTube. Um, so there's some good things. And also, on- we didn't ever even mention that he was named to the All-NBA team, uh, All-NBA team, a third team, you know, a couple episodes ago. Obviously, the focus has been the series and it kind of makes you forget about everything else. There's so much other news in, in the basketballing world and for Kyrie Irving, especially Nick, you know, the success that he's had. And I think that the just talking in general, I guess, about, you know, the, the, the superstars and I guess the desire and, and, and confidence and, and feel they have for this Brooklyn Nets organization, you know, Kyrie Irving, it feels like a home to him. This feels like Kevin Durant's organization at the same time. You know, it feels like a, this weird sort of shared responsibility. And James Harden, it just it's that perfect foil in between. And you, know, you could just tell, you know, those, those comments that he, he made that we talked about a little bit earlier. These guys are going to be back bigger, better than ever. Uh, they get their, their hamstrings, their ankles, their Achilles, all the different things. I'm sure Kevin Durant's pretty goddamn sore himself. And he's probably playing through, you know, a million elements that we don't know about. But... You know, this team is going to be there. A uh, shout out to Steve Nash. I thought he did a decent coaching performance yeah. as well tonight. You know, calling some timeouts that we probably uh, were, were pulling our hair out about. You know, had this been game 35 of the season, but you know, he, he was quite timely with some of those too. So, I mean, we'll dive deep into all the different storylines and some mailbags and some players and free agency and trades and all this different stuff. But right now, Nick, this one hurts a little bit. A little bit of therapy uh, with this Brooklyn Buzz hopefully provides a little bit of an outlet for our listeners too. Yeah, 100%, Jack. And, you know, obviously it's been incredible covering this team with you for this season. And it's been a ton of fun. It didn't end the way we wanted it to, but very happy Kevin Durant is on the Brooklyn Nets, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and all the guys we got to see out there. And it gives you a lot of confidence about the future and really what this team can be. So obviously, like, you know, maybe we'll take a week off to collect ourselves from this loss and some of those things. But you can expect a ton of offseason content, maybe more than ever just because there's so much to talk about with this team and so many different elements that really we didn't even get to jump into because we were so focused on the now and these playoff series and these different performances and these different moments which honestly it didn't go as planned but i'll definitely never forget game five and game seven from kevin Durant and the performance he put out it was just incredible to watch and that guy's on the brooklyn net so that's something that i can live with and enjoy myself and be happy about he invented Nets world as well, as well, Nick. You know, the, I think that that's one little thing that I'm going to be forever grateful for. For obviously the 49 points and the 48 points as well, the most ever in a game seven, like you alluded to. But yeah, just that little moment and that video that I got saved to my phone. You know, if I'm ever going to get down, I'm just going to look at Kevin Durant saying Nets world because yep. it, it might not it might not feel like it right now, but it's still a goddamn Nets world. It's Kevin Durant's world. It's a Nets world, ladies and gents. 100%. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody who checked in all year, listened to any pods, any reviews, subscriptions, whatever it is. We appreciate you, appreciate the support. And like I said, we'll be back all off season better than ever. And you can find us on all streaming platforms. That's world. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.